T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. Once again, I've been crazy busy these days, so don't have too much time for these little introductions, but if you're enjoying the show, please tell any friends you think might be interested and like the podcast. Otherwise, let's get on with it. The next episode of The Fleeting Prince. Chapter 15 Vasily set a strict pace, pushing the company hard for many hours. The road was flat and well kept, and the sun before them grew dim, peeking upon the horizon and shining through the haze like a ruby made of fire. Then it fell completely, leaving the company to a cold and starless night. Long into the silent hours they rode, following the northern path as it weaved its way through open fields of high grass and the occasional lonely tree. Many statues lined the road, but unlike the ruined masterpieces that stood crumbled between the tower and the lost city of Osgaleon, these splendid works varied widely and were kept in good repair. In fact, it appeared to Astrid as though many of them were new, having none of the normal blemishes attained from a life open to the elements. They're beautiful, she thought, and looked upon them in wonder. Lennox hardly noticed them at all. They had caught his attention at first, statues of great beauty to be sure, of women and children, of strong men mounted upon valiant steeds, of witches and wizards. But he had long grown weary of beautiful things, and they no longer held any sway upon him. A brisk wind began to blow, cutting across the path like a bird. Beside him, Astrid drew her hood, hoping to fight off the worst of it. Most of the company held torches, and with their combined light, the road was well lit, and Lennox found that he could see for some distance before them, despite the dark skies. I wonder if he intends to push through the night, Lennox thought. Vasily had always been difficult to understand, claiming only to be loyal servant of Magnus. His actions seemed to tell a different story, but just as he was going to put the question forward, Astrid spoke up. Don't you think we should check our pace, Vasily? These horses could go a good while longer, but we have many days riding ahead of us. Vasily raised his hand, bringing the company to a brisk walk, then fell to the back of the column to have a word. Of course, my lady, I do apologize. My company and I will be leaving you when we reach Reinhard Pass, but you will have many miles after we depart. Just how far is it to the pass? Lennox asked, lifting his visor so as to be better heard. We can reach it in two days if we're stiff with our breaks. I do regret the inconvenience, but Lord Magnus said I was to be quick, and that any more delay in time would be unfortunate. Astrid perked up. What do you mean, unfortunate? My lady, surely you must know by now. I am not one to question my master. He speaks, and I obey. Sir Galhout did the same. It is the way of obligation. Yes, said Astrid, I am well aware. She turned to Lennox then, 
Her eyes told him she remembered. The Golden Knight smiled. Well, we certainly understand your position, good sir. We are all creatures of duty. We only wanted to know what we were in for. Vasily looked at Lennox and bowed, pushing his horse back into a trot as he went forward to the head of the column. Lennox watched him for some time, unsure of what to make of the man. Not so bad, if I had to wager, he thought, but there was no way to be certain. He sighed, letting his shoulders fall as he turned to Astrid. He went to speak but stopped himself. Not enough time had passed. I can wait. They kept on through the night, quiet upon the lonesome road with nothing but each other and the statues for company. Lennox found himself twisting at the Oathkeeper ring, spinning it around his finger. It had become a heavy burden, yet not all that had transpired since his release had been a loss. He had gained two small treasures, and even found companionship in Astrid, though it felt strained at the moment. No matter. She will come around. I have time, he thought. Soon after, Vasily called the company to a halt and dismounted intending to give the horses a break before continuing on at sunrise. Astrid took the time to eat. She seemed to be the only one, but was grateful all the same. She cut some fruit and a slice of cheese from a hard block and took a seat next to a large statue of a woman shawled and looking away, her face beautiful, but with searching eyes that looked down the road for something unknown. It was then that she saw Lennox pull out the small crystal ball given to him by Lord Magnus and make his way towards where she sat. He took a seat beside her, but said nothing as he examined the sphere. He could see her glancing at him between bites, but resigned himself to silence. He would not be the first to speak. Do you know how to use that? She asked at last, breaking the silence sooner than he thought. Lennox did not respond straight away. Leaning in close, he kept his eyes locked upon the crystal. Hmm, a little... I suppose it depends on what it is you trust I'm capable of. He turned, holding her eyes through the slit of his helm. She gave back stare for stare, determined to have an answer. Lennox understood what it was she was asking. I cannot gaze into one's dreams, my lady. The stone is not powerful enough to enter into another's mind. Nor can I see things past or future. Yet it helped me find you when I looked, so I am not altogether without talent. But to use a catalyst like this takes training, and I have grown dull in these years past. He turned, looking out upon the fields that surrounded them. Once upon a time, I was quite proficient, but I have diminished, and must make myself strong once more if I am to finish what has been appointed to me. Astrid raised her eyes to him, and Lennox felt as though she was beginning to understand. This task, she said, her eyes flickering to the crystal sphere. What does it pertain to? Do you truly not know, or do you hide it from yourself? I know what it is you saw. Lord Magnus did not hide it from me. So ask. Ask what? The question... I don't know what you mean. If you will not ask, then neither will I answer. There was a pause, 
and when she spoke the words were so faint they were almost lost to the wind. The man in your dream, with the crown of spikes, with the women in red chained beside him, who was he? A very good question, said Lennox with a gentle laugh, and his eyes shined with warmth. He had many names to many people, but most knew him as Lord Shem of the Abyss, the knower of names and speaker of truth, protentate of the seven jewel cities. All around them the air grew still, and all noise subsided, and the golden armor of Lennox burned warm as the rays of the cresting light reflected upon him, so that he appeared bright as the sun. How can this be, Sir Knight? The four have long been silent, but to claim they have perished, said Astrid, filled with awe. <laughs> the four. Not so many now, I think. Tell me, when was the last time they were seen? For in my day... They traveled often, never forgoing an opportunity to look upon all they ruled. Astrid looked at him, but did not answer. As I suspected, I have only just emerged, my lady, yet the world has changed much from the little I have seen. Now only one remains by my count, and with his death, a new age will be born. This is what I seek. This is what I have been tasked with, but there is more. I know now that it was indeed the agents of Lord Azazel who were behind the theft of your family treasure, and so fate it seems is ever turning. I grow curious now of this boy wizard of Solaire, and begin to think our servitude to Lady Soon may at least in part work in our favor for I believe she can assist us in our wants. That is a hopeful view of things, said Astrid. Only one more, so you say, but Lord Azazel sits deep within the sacred city. How do you intend to reach him? I see no hope. I never said it would be easy. Indeed, from the outside it looks futile. An army might help, perhaps. Maybe Lady Soon will be kind enough to deliver one, but the details can be discussed at another time. For now I think it's best we focus on finding Oscar, and then reaching Lady Soon as quickly as we can. Lennox rose, stretching out his hand for Astrid to take. No matter what the future holds, I will feel better once I'm free her power. When the company set out, Vasily took his proper place at the head, leaving Lennox and Astrid to ride where they wished. No one in the company spoke while they rode, except when addressed by Vasily, and even then, they spoke in low voices, their words unheard. Mostly it seemed to Lennox that they were being ignored, but when he really looked, hardly a moment went by when one of the company wasn't glancing in their direction. A delay in time would be unfortunate. That's what Lord Magnus had said. Lennox felt an itch between his shoulders. He inhaled deeply. What had the sorcerer left out? Plenty, I'm sure, he thought. Lennox, said Astrid. So faintly he wasn't sure she had actually spoken. Lennox, what's wrong? 
Nothing, he said back. You're lying, she said. You said you would not lie to me. He wanted to laugh, but instead turned to Astrid and tugged on his reins, bringing his horse to a stop. Lady Astrid, I do apologize. Nothing is wrong, per se. It is only... I grow tired of our current company. It almost makes me miss that sour warden of ours. Wherever he may be. Astrid laughed, then grew serious, turning to him with interest. What of your stone? Have you tried searching for him with it? No, he answered, and reached into his pouch for the crystal. I suppose I should give it a try. He held up the stone then, peering into it as he spoke words unknown to Astrid. She pushed her horse forward, so that she might better look. I don't see... Suddenly, the image of a large cat walking through the forest filled the surface, then quickly changed into the face of a woman. Tall she was, mounted upon a white pony, and traveling with a large company across a road, similar to the one they now traveled, save the statues. Then the sphere went empty. Curious, said Lennox. That's twice now the sphere has shown me that cat. I'm beginning to imagine he's a fellow of interest. Who was the woman on the road? asked Astrid. I couldn't say, though I feel we shall find out. The flat lands gave way to rolling hills that stretched out before them in waves of green. But it wasn't long until the hills grew higher and higher, and the valleys that separated them deeper still, so that much of their time was spent weaving their way through the gorges that ripped the land. After crossing a small bridge that cut across one of the narrower valleys, Lennox noticed that there was no more statues. He looked back across the bridge, glimpsing one last effigy that stood with both hands resting upon the pommel of his sword, gazing out across the valley. Then they turned the corner, and it was lost from sight. Perhaps we're nearing the borderlands, he thought, but said nothing of it to Astrid, and rode on, keeping a sharp gaze on their surroundings. Soon the world darkened and Vasily called a halt, ordering pairs of guards to watch the road, while the others went about lighting torches and seeing to the horses. Astrid slept little, Lennox not at all, and by first light they had mounted once more and were continuing on. It was midday when they drew near Reinhard Pass, a great peak that looked out upon the valley below. The road snaked down into the vale, and there crossed upon a second path running perpendicular to their own. From where they stood high atop the precipice, they could see miles in all directions. It was then they sighted a caravan crossing the road from the east. It was a large group, thirty men mailed and mounted, each carrying a long spear, preceding a line of royal carts. Yet it was that followed the carts that caught Lennox's eye, a string of knights each accompanied by their squire, as though some great procession were taking place. Even from the great distance they could hear the rows of horses beating against the stone road, echoing like a storm throughout the valley. Well, how fortunate we left when we did, said Lennox aloud, keeping his eyes steady on the crowd below. Else we would have had to travel alone and miss out on such fine company. Tell me, do you recognize their banners? A few, answered Astrid. Though there were many standards mixed in with the company, 
it appeared to her that almost all the lesser lords in fealty to Solaire were represented. She turned to Vasily. Why such a gathering? King Randolph of Solaire has perished, my lady. These men ride to see his son take the mantle and bend the knee, proclaiming their loyalty, he replied, trotting close. The roads have grown dangerous of late. Riding in company with such a host will be most favorable. They will lead you nearly all the way to the Wizard's Guild, which lies just west of Solaire. Ah, I was wondering what you were playing at all this time, said Lennox. Your caution was needless, though, Vasily. I agree with your plan. It will be good to not have to worry of wandering hollows in the dark of night, though the pace will undoubtedly be stalled. Only a little, Sir Knight. Even now you can see their pace is not one of leisure. Why should they accept us? Astrid asked. Lord Magnus does not kneel to Solaire. My lady, long has there been peace between the two kingdoms, and men still strive at chivalry, though not like they once did. They will accept you graciously, if not cautiously, I'm sure. He smiled then calling one of his men to his side. The house standards have been prepared for you. This will squander any doubt of your loyalties. Wear them well, lest you bring shame upon my master. Astrid turned to reply, but was cut short. Thank you, good sir, said Lennox, bowing gently in his saddle, for all that you have done for us. The graciousness of House Magnus will not be forgotten Vasily bowed back. I am pleased to hear this. He turned once more to Astrid. My lady, I hope that I have sufficed in the absence of Sir Galehout. I am aware I can seem rather dreary. Knowing this, it was not my intent. Astrid was not overly fond of Vasily, but could not deny that he had treated her well. You are very kind, she said. If I am ever to see Sir Galehout, I will tell him such myself. Vasily smiled and turned, gesturing to the road before them. So now it comes to it, I have seen you to the finish, as I promised I would. But do not fret, for in my heart I feel as though this is not truly the end. May your travels see you safely, Sir Lennox, my lady, and know that Lord Magnus is watching. Hmm, one can hardly forget, Lennox replied, and with those words he turned his horse and began making his way down the twisting pathway. Astrid kept pace. She was carrying the banner of House Magnus, though it hardly seemed to hinder her. It may have been strange for a woman to carry the banner in the southern realms, but in the north it was common practice for all shield maidens. As they rode, Lennox noticed the first signs of decay in the road marking their departure from the lands of Lord Magnus. His hand went to his side, reaching for the pommel of his sword that was not there. He reached up then, grabbing at one of the twin blades on his back. He felt the hilt in his hand then released. This will take some getting used to, he thought, and for a moment considered perhaps sparring with one of the knights in the company below. It was always preferable to test one's blade, lest it fail you when it was needed most. 
As they drew near the bottom of the valley, the clamor of the party before them was all too prevalent. And while the men in front seemed well in line, the knights that traveled behind rode in welcome merriment, speaking of the great tourney that was sure to follow the new king's inauguration. Still, Lennox and Astrid's arrival did not go unnoticed. Indeed, it appeared as though the entire procession came to a halt, as it became evident that Astrid and the Knight of Gold, bearing the sigil of Lord Magnus, were riding out to join them. A few of the more curious knights pushed out from the line to greet them, but were cut off from a company of the main guard. They followed at a distance then. If they could not greet the liaison of Lord Magnus themselves, then they would at least watch and listen, perhaps gaining some insight otherwise lost. Lennox and Astrid pressed on, covering half a mile before the outriders rode forth. Ten men, led by a grizzled greybeard of a knight, all of them sporting the sigil of House Solaire, a blazing sun set against a field of blue. As they drew near, the company halted, and the aged knight rode forth alone. Sir Knight, he called, taking a moment's pause upon recognizing that Astrid was a woman. He nodded gently towards her. My lady, forgive my manners. I am Sir Sig of Solaire, as it please you. All is forgiven, she answered him. Might I inquire as to the nature of your company? The old knight pressed. He had turned to Lennox, but it was once again Astrid who answered, much to the amusement of the golden knight. News of the king's passing has reached our master's ears. He bid us travel to Solaire to show his respect. The old man turned to the girl. Since when do knights of Magnus hold women as their squires? Only in the north are such things seen. Then you have judged rightly, for the north is in my blood, she answered. Lennox pushed his horse forward, seeing the discomfort of the knight who felt as though he were being made a fool. Please, forgive my squire. She can be rather outspoken, having spent much of her youth in the northern kingdoms. Aye, the knight replied, shifting his attention back upon Lennox. The north. He smiled then warily though it was. Well, it certainly shows. That it does, Lennox grinned, his face seen through his open visor. Though I must add our business is twofold, good sir, for we have business with the Wizard Guild as well. We are hoping we might accompany you upon the road for the remainder of our journey, lest we fall to hollows or other foul creatures. Hardly any hollows make it this far from the mountain, Sir Sig answered, looking once more towards Astrid. Very well. You may join the others in the rear. It shall be an honor to have emissaries of Lord Magnus join us in company. See to it that your squire learns her place. Of course. Sir Sig turned then, raising his mailed hand to the sky. His men rode forth, forming a column behind him, before returning with their captain to the head of the convoy. Hmm, not a very cheery fellow, Lennox said in an amused tone. So I'm to be your squire, Astrid answered, unable to hide her displeasure. <laughs> My lady, I'm a knight of Lord Magnus. How would I be perceived if I were to be without a squire? Poorly, I'm sure, 
he kicked his horse forward, making his way towards some of the knights who had stayed behind. He turned, looking back towards the girl. We need only keep up the charade until we are free of this company. I will do no such thing. Oh, that's fine with me. But let us hope we don't draw any more attention than will already come our way. As long as we keep to ourselves, we shall be left alone. Oh? Lennox did not sound convinced. We shall certainly find out. Yes, most certainly indeed. <laughs>